Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the pastor's study. You know, I remember hearing somebody say, my loving Jesus would never send anyone to hell. Well, Jesus himself said in Matthew 25, verse 41, he's going to say to people, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his, and his evildoers. So what we're going to talk about in this half hour is there's a real Jesus Christ, and then there's all these imaginary Jesus Christ that people dream up. So I want to introduce you to, uh, to Pastor Tom Parrish. Hi, Tom. Tom, it's good to be with you. Tom just wrote a book on this, Defeating the Jesus of Our Imagination and Discovering the Jesus of the Bible. So we're going to talk about this from, for half an hour. And Tom, let's, let's talk about this. First, let's define who is the real Jesus. Yeah. And then give us some examples of who are the fake imaginary Jesuses that are being preached even in some churches. Go ahead. Well, exactly. Well, the real Jesus is found, first of all, in the scriptures. I mean, it's very implicit that he is God, that he is man. So he's true man, true God. That he is the one and only Savior. There is nobody else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He is the Lord. Uh, Colossians 1 talks about him. All things were created by him and for him. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really strong picture of Jesus in the Bible that the church has relied on for nearly 2,000 years until probably... Our generation came along, the baby boomers, and we decided to create a different Jesus, yes. one that fit much more with the culture, much more with our values, the much more the way we see the world. I, and Tom, I, I was just talking to Jehovah's Witness last week. The Bible teaches Jesus is God. Yes. They reject that. Yes. But go to Ephesians chapter, uh, no, excuse me, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. Uh, John chapter 1, the Bible teaches Jesus is God. So the cults have a different Jesus. Exactly. Uh, he's a creature for Jehovah's Witnesses. He's not eternally God. They do, God. And, and so do the Mormons. Mm -hmm. and, and I know a lot of Mormon people. I, they're wonderful people with a very bad idea. Mm -hmm. uh, most Jehovah's Witnesses are wonderful people mm -hmm. with a very bad idea mm -hmm. because they have taken the Jesus of the Bible, they've recreated him, because both of them came with the idea the Bible was corrupt. We didn't have the real Bible, and so they had revelation or insight into a new translation or a new understanding, yeah. and so their Jesus does not match, ultimately, the one of the Bible. And we got to tell people, when the Jehovah's Witnesses say at your doorstep, the Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, you can agree with that, but then you got to say, but the concept of the Trinity, oh, it's one, all God, true. one God and three persons, it was like Jesus' last words on earth, baptize them in the name singular of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Exactly. All right, so the, the, true, the true Jesus, he's fully God and fully man. He was yep. fully God before he was born, then he became a man for our salvation. And he uh, was not created, he right. always was, Eternally, because he's God. Son of God. So. Um, that's the true Jesus. Give me some of the false imaginary Jesuses that people are espousing today. Well, we have the ecological Jesus, that he's really mainly concerned about the environment, and that's really what he wants us this to deal with. This is big in liberal churches. Oh, very, very popular. We have the peace and justice Jesus. Now, we're not saying Jesus isn't concerned about that. He, he talks about stewardship in the Bible. We, he talks about peace and justice. But the point is, that was not his main mission. Mm -hmm. His main mission was to come and die for our sins, bodily rise from the dead, so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. 
That Jesus is not very important to these people. If you go to the ELCA Lutheran website and check their news releases, liberal politics, liberal politics, liber now and then there's something about you know Jesus and stuff, but it's so one-sided. And Tom, so when you say Jesus is uh, mainly came to die for our sins, and not Oprah said, I used to believe Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. Now I believe he came to earth to get us in touch with our own inner Christ consciousness. Well, that's her imagination. Explain to me the yeah. New Age Christ. Well, the New Age crisis is this. I want a Jesus that reflects my values, that believes the way I do, that acts the way I do, that allows me to do what I want to do without any repercussions. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I reject the real Jesus, mm -hmm. and I recreate him. So we have the gay Jesus. We have the feminist Jesus. We have the ecology Jesus. We have the uh, peace and justice Jesus. Yeah. We have the liberation Jesus. Yeah. Uh, very popular in and, South and, America. And, and if you think Tom's making this up, listen, I, if you go to pastorstudy.org, that's my blog, pastorstudy.org and hit Facebook, a Lutheran ELCA pastor said recently that if Jesus wasn't single, he was in a gay relationship. Of course, because they, they have to justify what deep, deep, deep in their souls they're denying, but they know is not the way God intended mm -hmm. in order to create a God that will be acceptable to them. And the problem is they're leading a lot of other people into this. And I feel bad for most people that don't really know their Bible because yeah. they're getting a false one. But I'll tell you who's responsible. Who is? It's the pastors and the Amen. leaders Amen. who are claiming to speak for yeah. the Lord and yet are speaking for themselves. You are. Uh, you and I have been pastors. I'm not anymore, and you still are for a while. Uh, pastors at Hope Lutheran Church. Right. One of our members came there because their Lutheran pastor taught that Jesus was wrong in John 14:6 when he claimed to be the only way. The pastor said, my Jesus is bigger than that. Well, then your yeah. Jesus is not the New Testament Jesus. Well, here's the problem. Through the uh, 67 and 80s, we talked about a personal Jesus, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. He needs to be personal. Problem is, we changed the word personal for private. Mm. And we made him a private Jesus that reflects what I want. You can have your Jesus, Tom. I'll have my Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so long as you follow what your Jesus says and I follow my Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is it doesn't match with reality. Yeah. And it doesn't match with the Word of God. And I said in a previous show, Tom, I walked into a very liberal United Church of Christ church recently. It says in the bulletin, we're going to pray our Lord's Prayer. We pray our Mother and our Father who art in heaven. But it said, pray to God however you have experienced God. In other words, you get to dream up your own version of God now. Yeah. yeah, and here's the problem. If we make Jesus simply experiential, he'll be different for everybody. Amen. And that is not the way to go. And how we do first you start prevent with, that from happening? Well, first you go to the Bible, okay. and you let the Bible speak for who this Jesus is. Then you say, the Bible's right. I need to change my thinking to align with the Bible. And then you submit yourself to the real Jesus and ask him to take control, to shape your thinking. Mm -hmm. Do you keep you focused on who he is, not who I want him to be? Mm -hmm. And um, I do that every day. When I get up every day, I literally pray again, Lord, your word is true. You are the one and only Savior. Shape my mind to think yeah. like you, and yeah. that's the direction because I live my sinners, life. Because we're sinners, we want to change the Bible to fit us. Of course we Rather do. than changing us to fit the Bible. And Tom, you know, you were raised Lutheran, so was I. Right. The Lutheran Church ELCA the Presbyterian Church USA, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church USA, they ain't the churches that were around when you and I were little. Not even close. And, and when I was little in the Lutheran Church, you too, Jesus, of course, he's the only way of salvation. Right. Today you've got Lutheran pastors saying there's all kinds of roads to heaven. What happened that changed our view of Jesus? What happened? I think a lot of things happened. I think the World War II generation came back very disillusioned by all that happened because we really had one war. From 1914 until 1945, there was an interlude in between. 
And so there was a disillusionment. The advancement of science. Oh, science can solve all of our problems. We don't need to believe this stuff anymore. Pastors too often then became great social workers. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have all these great programs for people. And, and I'm all for great programs, whether it's marriage, whether it's you know, social welfare, that's all fine and good. The real Jesus began to get lost in the mix. And he didn't become important anymore. And so even though we went through confirmation, you mm -hmm. and I did, even mm -hmm. though we you know, memorized the creed, mm -hmm. it lost its impact, it lost its meaning. I think of my confirmation class, I think there are 52 of us in that class. There are only four that I know of today that profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And the tragedy is three of them have already committed suicide. Oh because they've gotten caught up in the occult, they've gotten caught up in witchcraft, they were hearing voices. And it's a real tragedy. And this is what I see coming, Tom. I'm seeing more demonic activity today in my ministry. Literally people coming in that are hearing voices. I had a woman speak in a voice I'd never heard before coming out of her, very guttural and very angry, because I asked her, do you trust in Jesus as the one and only Savior? And she wasn't about to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't repeat what she said. Mm -hmm. The point is, the demons are getting control because people are trying to be in control, and Jesus is getting pushed out to the side. If you would have told me when I was a boy that the Lutheran Church, when I grew up, would teach that most people don't go to hell because there's all kinds of ways to heaven, that abortion rights are fine, homosexuality is fine, uh, we can pray to God our mother who art in heaven, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. Here it is. What's here? Yeah. And I think the problem is, again, too much of Christianity has been turned into an academic exercise. And so you, you, go to, you and I went to seminary, all right? Nobody ever asked me about a personal faith in Jesus mm -hmm. at seminary. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, you had certain papers to write, mm -hmm. you had certain classes to go through, and then if you met the school's criteria, you could be put up for ministry call and then get a call from a congregation. That's not the way to go about it. In the early church, the church raised up people who had a calling on their life from the Lord. The church confirmed that calling, and then they went out and mm -hmm. you know, preached and taught and learned mm -hmm. and grew. Mm -hmm. Today, we reverse the whole process. Yeah. Congregations are only involved in sending them with money, yeah. but not in holding people accountable. Right. My goal at Hope, your goal at Hope, my goal in every church I've served is to identify uh, young people that can grow up to be, you know, some ministers of the gospel, some missionaries of the gospel, some going out and starting mm -hmm. ministries toward people in the mm -hmm. community, but all in the name and the power of Jesus. Yeah. Not just his name, but yeah. his power and his reality. And the other difference, when we were little, the Lutheran Church would discipline pastors that oh, preached. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll give you an example. The United Church of Christ is the most liberal of all the Protestant denominations. Their, their forefathers were the Puritans. All the Puritans believed in the Trinity. Right. They all believed Jesus is God and the only way of salvation. Today, you can deny the Trinity, deny the deity of Christ, deny he's the only Savior, and be a pastor in well, the United Church of Christ. You and I know from church conventions that we both went to and we both stood up publicly and spoke I at. I remember. We were the orthodox one. We, we stood in the line of traditional Christianity for nearly 2,000 years, mm -hmm. and yet we were the odd man out. We were. We were the one that were looked at as out of touch. And the bishops you know, were on the ignorant, wrong side. Always, yep. and we had a battle on our hands. Well, let's talk about a good Lutheran pastor that most people have heard of. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor in Germany who tried to kill Hitler. He was part of the plot to blow him up, and so uh, Bonhoeffer lost his life. But uh, you quote him in your book, uh, a martyr from the 21st century. He said this, quote, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. This is the way darkness succeeds in our lives. My question for you is, where is the church really silent right now 
and it's just, it grieves the heart of God. Well, abortion is the Amen. big one. Amen. 56 million babies murdered since Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. And the tragedy is, because of that silence, it's opened the door to the judgment of Jesus Christ. And I think we're beginning to see that judgment in America in ways we never thought were yeah. possible. And it's going to get worse, and not God better. And God bless the Catholics for standing firm for life. Absolutely. Tom, I'll say it again. I've said it a hundred times on this show. When you put money into the offering plate of an ELCA Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, and I think to the Episcopal Church, that money can go to pay for abortions for sure. church staff for any reason. We tried, I think you were part of that. Yeah. We tried to turn that around. We lost in the ELCA. That's one of the reasons my church, your church, left the ELCA years ago. So, right. I mean, it's evil that our pre you know, we can have a president or a Congress is pro-choice. To get bishops and pastors preaching abortion rights is tragic. Well, here's the sad part. Back in the early 70s, there was question on when did this, you know, the sperm and the egg become a human being. Mm -hmm. That's all been cleared up. Mm -hmm. I mean, doctors now know, boom, yeah, it starts immediately. Uh -huh. I mean, the heart's beating at 18 days. I mean, before women even know they're pregnant, yeah. you know, it's, it's a distinct individual human being with even a different blood yeah. type than the mother. Right. There isn't a pastor today that doesn't know that science. And yet, just like making an imaginary Jesus, we turn a blind eye toward the truth and say, well, I don't want the truth. I've already got my mind made up. And, and my Jesus would be compassionate. Right. My Jesus would affirm that every woman's yeah. right is to make a choice. And, yeah. and my attitude mm -hmm. is, you know, shame on us mm -hmm. for allowing that to happen. And, and we want to say to any woman who's had an abortion or you're the boyfriend who paid for it, whatever, if there's repentance and sorrow Always. over your sin and you're trusting Christ, there's forgiveness. We don't want you to feel condemned. But if you've never asked for forgiveness and repented of that, you need to do that. Well, exactly. I worked with women for 40 years who have had abortions who I would meet with on a regular basis and help them deal with the issues of forgiveness, forgive, receiving the Lord's forgiveness, forgiving those that push them into it, forgiving themselves. And Tom, that sense of guilt and shame over what they have done is enormous. And I think that's why we hear so little out yeah. of people that have gone through this process. And that's, and, but on the other hand, I had a secretary once who had an abortion and repented and, and received the forgiveness of sins. There was nobody more pro-life than she was. Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah. these are the same kind of women we're talking about. Right. Yep. Well, all right, can you give another example where the church, like Nazi Germany's church, can you give us an example where the church is being too quiet? Well, here's the big problem in America. Our culture is changing. The church is virtually silent, whether it is the homosexual lifestyle, whether it is somebody who's going to be transgendered. Uh, there's no longer any talk of repentance. There's no talk of restoration. There's no talk of the power of the Lord. Tom, I know your history. You and I have known each other a long time. You have walked faithfully with the Lord throughout your life, and yet you've gone through great temptations. I've had temptations in another direction. Not that I'm a perfect human being, but I know what the Lord's will is, and I know when I'm violating that. And so I and we repent. I'm, I'm far from perfect. I got my I, sins. Me too. We, we repent, repent, and I never try to say, hey, my Jesus would approve of that. No. I don't want, that does, and you know what, Tom? When I speak now, because I've struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life, I, when I go speak somewhere and I get old grandmas standing up mad at me, well, my grandson's a homosexual, well, my daughter is a homosexual, my thought is, so what? Exactly. It doesn't change the Bible. I've got homosexual uh, same-sex temptations. So what? Right. Y you fight. 1 Corinthians 6 says fornicators, adulterers, idolaters don't go to heaven. And grandma, you're not helping your grandson affirming his sin. You're hurting him. Well, you that's the what they don't get. The truth is no longer the issue. Yeah. The issue is 
I have a relationship with this person. I like them. I don't want to hurt them. Right. You know, and yet... And putting your family before Christ. Well, and Jesus talked about that. He yeah. said, if mother and father, sister, brother are more important than me, you're not worthy of me. And it's really come home to roost in my mind when I look at my own kids, when I look at my grandkids. I love them. I would die for them. But I will never justify right. wrong behavior or sinful behavior. Because that would hurt them. Exactly. Eternally. I mean, I won't name them, but you and I could talk about two Lutheran bishops who have helped push the gay movement on the church. Why? Because their sons are homosexual. Exactly. And if I could talk to those bishops, I would say, you're hurting your son. You're not helping him by affirming this. Long time ago, I remember getting on the side of my bed. I was a young pastor, and I, I knew who Jesus was. And then I had to make up my mind, what is the authority of God's word? And I remember getting on the side of my bed and saying, Jesus, from this moment forward, your word is absolutely correct. It's my mind that's wrong. Amen. And when I don't understand it or yep. when I don't like it, yep. it's not your problem, it's my problem, and I need to shape my mind around your word, and that's what I've tried to do All these right. last so we need years. To, I mean, my prayer, too, is that the people watch our show, they're not just Sunday morning Christians, that right. they actually read the Bible daily. And you say in your book that anybody now, given the tools on the Internet, can, can read the Bible and use these helps to, to come to a proper oh, yeah. understanding. Give me some of the tools you like to help people understand the Bible. Well, when you and I went to seminary, we had to go to the library. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford all the books. You probably couldn't either. Mm -hmm. So we go to the library. We get out an interlinear for Greek or Hebrew that would show us the Greek and the Hebrew, and then it would, you know, Strong's Dictionary, mm -hmm. which would give all the definitions. Uh, we go read the early church fathers, big 38 volume set, the first three centuries, what they said, uh, those kind of things. Uh, searches. Do you remember having to do searches mm -hmm. through the Bible on a sure. particular topic? It'd take yeah. you forever. <laughs> you could do it now in five minutes. I know. Five minutes yeah. on the internet. Every tool that right. you can buy is available on the internet. The early church fathers is available there. The uh, interlinear Bibles are there. Every translation is available right. there. Uh, explanation of Greek and, words are there. It's all there. What, what version of the Bible do you think is the most accurate? What do you like? <sighs> I use the ESV for preaching and teaching. The English Standard Version. Yeah, I like that. I think the New American Standard Bible is Excellent. very literal. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very liter literal. Literal, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's so literal, it's hard to understand yeah. in our language. Yeah. I really like that a lot, too. The ESV Study Bible yep. is excellent. I use that a lot. Yeah, there you it's go. It's very good. And now I also have the privilege of uh, using R.C.H. Lenski, who you know who he is, one of the greatest Greek commentators yep. that ever lived. Yep. But I, I have the volumes. I was given to me by my pastor, who was one of his students. So I've oh, got the right? whole volume. But going through there and searching is almost impossible. Now, for a few dollars, I bought it. It's now on my computer. And I can search Lenski for any topic, anything, go. push of a button. It is phenomenal. Great. And this is available to lay people. You don't have to go to seminary to do this. Look, you and I were lay people before we went to seminary. Mm -hmm. You know, we're nobody special mm -hmm. in the sense mm -hmm. that we had a greater intellect than no, anybody else. No. We simply applied yeah. the time to do the study. And, and you know, Anybody the, can do that. The other thing is, if the, I mean, how do you know if the Jehovah's Witness uh, interpretation or the Mormon interpretation versus the Orthodox Christian interpretation, how do you know what's right? What would you say to that? Well, it's very easy. Historically, we know. You can go back now. We have over 25,000 extant manuscripts of the New Testament around the world, mm -hmm. many of them going back to the as close as the 3rd century, some the 2nd century. And there's, yeah, there's been stuff even like 100 A.D. Yep, they're finding yep. new stuff all yep. the time. And what they're discovering is when they uncovered the Dead Sea Scrolls and they found a portion of Isaiah 
and they wanted to see, because the nearest translation they had to Isaiah came from the 11th century. Mm -hmm. They wanted to see how they were different. When they put them together, Tom, they were like 99.9% yep. yep. the same. Yep. So we have the reliability. Mm -hmm. What happens with, the, whether it's the uh, Seventh-day Adventists, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, they have to push this idea, the Bible's been corrupted. There are mistakes or, in the Bible. Or there's so, a second book, the Book yeah, of Mormon. Now we got to have another book, or we've got to have White, a new translation. the prophet, or you know, And yet Charles the Bible Russell. warns about that. Yeah, it does. And says, don't go there. Yeah, so don't add a book. Don't add a book. Don't you add know, a The delete. other thing, too, is I, I think it's always safe to ask, how have Christians understood this Bible passage for 2,000 years? Exactly. And if everybody pretty much has, has, well, that teaches Jesus as God, and then Charles Russell in the 1800s says, no, he isn't, and found, founds the Jehovah's Witness, right. something's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we, here's the problem. In the 21st century, we have a tendency to be arrogant. We think we know. We think we're the most enlightened generation on the mm -hmm. face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, they were just as enlightened in Jesus' day when it came to spiritual matters because Jesus un re revealed the heart of God the Father for everybody. The scriptures are there. The documentation is there. And so I do this with people all the time. They ask me, how do I know the Bible is reliable? Mm -hmm. You know, I tell them, and I take them to the Internet to even do their searches. And I've done okay. it with people. Let's look at what we can find. All or right. here are books that will help. Back to this book, which is... Um Defeating the Jesus of Our Imagination, Discovering the Jesus of the Bible. I know that before you wrote this, you wrote a book on, called Stepping into Eternity. Yep, that's this book right here. Yep. And, and that you chronicle various stories that people have told you of how they see Jesus before they die. Right at the moment now, of death, because I've been with them. All right. I've held their hand. Now, I've watched them now, die. My only question is, John MacArthur, who's a good Baptist preacher, poo-poo's a lot of that. How do you know if someone is having a vision of Christ before they die, if that's the real Jesus mm -hmm. or an imaginary Jesus? Because Satan, uh, Paul says Satan can appear as an angel of light. Sure he can. So how do you figure that out? Well, it's really very simple. First of all, I, I've been teaching people for a long time that if they ever have a vision or a dream or whatever else, first thing you want to do is ask them, are you the Lord Jesus and will you bow down and worship him as the Lord Jesus Christ if it's a, like an angel or something else? Uh, I mean, I try to get right to the heart of who Jesus is. And in working with people with demons in them, I always bring up the name of Jesus, and you should see what ha always happens. But the other thing is, and here's what works for me. I've been with about 40, 45 people at the moment they died, and I'm hearing the same story over and over from people that never knew one another. The same words, basically, and from Jesus. And what are they? What, what is it? Basically, the, the words are, you know, uh, he will, oftentimes Jesus will say, I am your Lord and Savior. Uh, I've come to take you into the kingdom. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and people respond to that. Now, I've had people that have had near-death experiences that have told me they went to hell or they met a demon. And that's another book I could write. That's a whole different thing. But the point is, wh whether you see Jesus in a vision or a dream or even at the, the end of time, if you know the Word of God, you will know His voice. If you don't know the Word of God, you won't know. You won't be able to tell who He is. But the real Jesus comes through loud and clear. And I, I've shared on this show, my dead sister showed up in, I don't know if I was awake or asleep, but it was so real, I wonder if I wasn't awake. And my dead sister shows up and starts saying, oh, Jesus will come very soon. And then she started saying stuff that was real unbiblical right. and left. And then I woke up sitting up in bed, and, and I don't know if it was a vision or what, but, you know, that's a $3 bill. It is. It is. Satan can appear as your dead sister, Ruth Ann. The, the real Jesus will always be the Jesus of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's why if we don't know the Jesus of the Bible, we can be fooled real easy. Yes. Even the elect can be fooled except yeah. by the grace of God yeah. and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Tom, we've only got like three minutes left. 
a lot of people watching this show, um, they know the Lord. Yep. Some of them go to churches where their pastor is preaching a new Jesus. So just one more time, um, how can you, who is the real Jesus? Who are the fake Jesuses? And then I'm going to ask you, should those people stay in those churches or move on? Okay, one more yeah. time. Real quick. Real Jesus, you have to, he always aligns with the Bible. You have to study the Jesus of the Bible. My book recommends that you start at the Gospel of John, if you're not real familiar with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And there are three questions you always ask. Uh, what does this verse say about Jesus? What does Jesus say in this verse to me? And what am I going to do about it? And to keep reading through and asking the real Jesus to become real in your life. Um, so I've had people Gospel do that. Gospel of John. Tom, virtually, not everyone, but virtually every person I've been able to get to read the Gospel of John, if they didn't have assurance when they began, they did when they of, got of done. Of their salvation. If they didn't know Jesus when they began, they know him when they get done, because Jesus will reveal himself. Mm -hmm. So we want to start with the Jesus of the Bible. It's kind of like, how do you tell a counterfeit bill? It's by handling the real thing. Mm -hmm. Handle the real thing, come to know the Word of God, I encourage people to memorize verses in there along the way, and then the, the fault becomes so obvious. Yeah. It becomes a yeah. caricature. Yep. I mean, they become like a cartoon. Yep. You can see it very easily. And so when I hear people saying, you know, my Jesus is a peace and justice Jesus. My Jesus mm -hmm. will accept everyone. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like watching Looney Tunes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm watching, you know, Yosemite Sam. Yeah. It's ridiculous <laughs> because I know what my Jesus was about, and his first concern is that we submit to him. And, you know, your counterfeit bill, I, my dad ran the racetrack in Omaha. So my job is, as a college student, I'd go in the back room and count all the dollar bills yep. that came through the boxes. And you, you, you counted so much, you got the feel of exactly. a real dollar bill. All of a sudden, now and then, you'd feel something that felt too smooth, and you knew it was a counterfeit. And what I, what I preach to people is just what you just said. Get the feel of these pages between your fingers. Exactly. Read your Bible regularly. And then if your pastor gets up in the pulpit and says Jesus was wrong when he claimed to be the only Savior, you can spot the phony like this. Well, I, fortunately, I have a wonderful wife of 42 years with long fingernails because I've been in churches <laughs> where that's happened. And I'm, I'm standing up right in the middle of the service, and she's digging her fingernails <laughs> in and says, talk to him afterward. <laughs> you know? But I, I am determined that we have to confront these people in love yeah. to yeah. begin with, give them opportunity to see what they're doing wrong, mm -hmm. If they won't see what they're doing wrong, then begin to call the whole church together to witness to this. If the church will not listen, then you walk. Then you move and on. And you find someplace else. That's right. And, you know, I'll say this, that so many people have been in their church for 50 years, and they know what the pastor is preaching is wrong, but they can't bring themselves. Well, you've got to put Jesus before your, your friendships. Well, again, if Jesus is not before the church building you grew up in, the church where you were baptized, the church where you're married, your where all your friends are, then you've got a problem. Great. Because he is the only one to follow, and he is the only Savior. And without him, Tom, we don't have anything. Preach it. Well, everybody, thank you, Tom. Tom, good to be with uh, this you. This is Tom Parrish. If you go to his website, we're going to put that. That's my website, pastorstudy.org. You can watch our TV shows there. You can support our ministry by going to Pastor Study. Tom's website is called Stepping Into Eternity. What is that? www.2toeternity.org. Okay, so your website, that, your book is Stepping Into Eternity. That's your, the name of my ministry. Your Stepping website is what again? www.2eternity.org. .org. And if you want to get his book on imagining, uh, get, discovering the real, not the imaginary Jesus, that's there, his book on Stepping Into Eternity. And Tabitha, and there'll be a new one coming out. This is a book for children on faith. It's a there novel and a fantasy. It's kind of like uh, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. Well, God bless you, Tom. You Thanks, too, everybody, Tom. and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. 
You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.